last San Francisco County Transportation Authority meeting for the year 2020 for today, December 15th, 2020. Our clerk is Ms. Brittany Milton. Ms. Milton, could you please call the roll? Yes, Commissioner Fewer. Present. Present, Commissioner Haney. Present. Haney, present, Commissioner Mandelman. Present. Mandelman, present, Commissioner Marr. Present. Marr, present, Commissioner Peskin. Present. Peskin, present, Commissioner Preston. Present. Preston, present, Commissioner Ronan. Present. Sorry. Present, Commissioner Safai. Safai absent, Commissioner Stephanie. Present. Stephanie, present, Commissioner Walton. Present. Walton, present, Commissioner Yee. Present. Yee, present, we have quorum. Madam Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes. I will make an announcement about public comment. Public comments will be available for each item on this agenda via telephone by calling 415-655-0001 and when prompted entering access code 146-501-3359 and then pound and pound again. Once you join, you'll be able to listen to the meeting as a participant. To make public comment on an item when the item is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. When it is your turn to speak, you will hear a message saying your line is unmuted and the operator will advise that you'll be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Please allow for audiovisual delays and a 30-second lag time during the course of the meeting. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Could you please read the next item? Of course, item two, chair's report. This is an information item. Thank you, colleagues. Um, I will be very brief, but I wanted to um, end our last meeting of the year uh, at the San Francisco County Transportation Authority um, by expressing our collective appreciation uh, for two of our truly valued colleagues who are departing from the Board of Supervisors and this commission, uh, Commissioners Norman Yee and Sandra Lee Fewer. Um, and both of you uh, have provided um, real leadership on transportation uh, safety, transportation issues, um, and equitable access uh, across San Francisco, uh, as well as uh, projects that you have undertaken in your respective districts while you've been uh, members of this body. Uh, Commissioner Yee uh, not only chaired this body for many years, uh, but has been here for eight and was uh, one of the original co-authors of our city's Vision Zero Ordinance uh, a year after he joined the authority in 2014. Um, he, he helped create our Vision Zero Committee, and uh, which I still serve on, and served from its inception uh, as vice chair for two years led as chair for the next five years. Um, and during this time, uh, Commissioner Yee passed uh, many pieces of legislation and led uh, any number of traffic safety policy initiatives, including uh, we're all, we all remember it fondly, requiring telematics in city vehicles, calling from the, for the prioritization of safety measures over traffic and parking, expanding daylighting citywide, uh, Commissioner Yee championed funding and accountability for quick builds, traffic calming, red light enforcement, uh, and other actions to protect seniors 
uh, and children and all road users. Uh, he advocated along with Walk SF and Bay Area families for safe streets, uh, both here and in Sacramento and nationally uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, Norman, I really uh, want to um, thank you uh, and acknowledge these accomplish accomplishments, uh, as well as stuff that you did um, in District 7, leading efforts uh, like the M-Line undergrounding study uh, and bike ped path study around Lake Mer Merced, uh, to name um, a few. Uh, you have been a godsend, and I know that you are going to join all of us in continuing to advocate for automated speed enforcement uh, after you go, and um, I am committed uh, to getting that through the state legislature and enacting it locally. So I look forward to working uh, with you on that in the coming year, even when you are no longer a member of this commission. Uh, Commissioner Sandra Lee Fewer has served on the TA since 2017, and although her time was shorter, uh, it was no less productive. Um, she led many initiatives around traffic safety and access in D1, including along Fulton and California streets after devastating crashes there. She sponsored the Golden Gate Park Edge Study and recently started the Golden Gate Park Access Study of JFK Drive. She led the call to bring rail to the west side of the city and met with the BART general manager and our executive director, Tilly Chang, to lay foundations for those plans. And as chair of the board's budget committee, um, and we all know this, uh, Supervisor Fewer ensured transportation funds for major infrastructure projects and supported uh, key smaller efforts in each and every district. Um, and la uh, last year, along with Supervisor Brown, she created the Office of Racial Equity, and now our TA is among the first to submit racial equity plans in response to that legislation. So thank you, Commissioner Fewer, uh, for your leadership in these areas and for your support for safe and equitable transportation. Um, not only in D1, but across the city. Uh, both of you will be uh, missed, and we wish you the best in your next endeavors. And with that, colleagues, I conclude my remarks. Thank you. Are there any comments on the chair's report? Can I? Uh, Please. Um, thank you for those very nice words. And, you know, <clears throat> again, revision zero. It's been really a, a joint effort from all of us. I, there's nobody on this commission that doesn't care about pedestrian safety measures. So I want to thank everybody in, uh, for being supportive for the things that I brought forward. But you forgot two, two of the most important things that I, I did around uh, pedestrian safety. <laughs> and I have to say it um, uh, because it might disappear. It probably will disappear, but um, early on, I actually start. I brought back to the public schools uh, this whole concept of uh, student crossing guards. Um, it, I had hoped that it would um, uh, be a program with all the elementary schools, uh, but it, that didn't happen. I think it, it eventually had about 14 schools <clears throat> that part participated in it. Um, uh, and then the other thing that I, I, I'm really proud of in terms of pedestrian safety in educating children is um, creating uh, our version of Ed's uh, neighborhood. Um, unfortunately, it, uh, it was so used for the first year or so that it broke down and it had to be repaired. And and it's been, it uh, took a lot, while to repair. It was gonna come back at the beginning of the year, then COVID hit. 
So please, please um, um, remember that we do have that, and it was a big hit with with uh, elementary school uh, first uh, kindergarten and first graders uh, to um, actually learn about uh, pedestrian safety um, at a young age um, and develop those good habits. So I urge um, my colleagues to remind the uh, Department of Public Works that they are storing it and we we have funding that's uh, supporting that program and for uh, you to let them know that uh, we, we want it back in San Francisco and public schools once we open it up. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner, and my apologies for those omissions, and I suspect we probably forgot many other things along the way, um, but duly noted, and um, Ms. Chang, let us not forget uh, his parting admonitions as to crossing guards in Ed's neighborhood. Uh, Commissioner Fewer. Yes, um, thank you, Chair, for the kind words. And I also want to thank President Yi, Commissioner Yi, for his um, leadership in all matters around transit. I, um, you know, my turn was much shorter. Actually, my learning curve much steeper. I just also want to give a shout out to Angelina Yu in my office, who um, is my legislative aide to handle all, handles all transit things. To actually thank her for educating me and also being in touch with my constituents about plans in my neighborhood to slow traffic down and make it safer for everyone. I think President Yi, I mean, Commissioner Yi and I both have been hit by vehicles in intersections. And so we know how dangerous it is for um, folks to be crossing our streets now. And in my district, sadly, we've had multiple fatalities during my term. Um, people crossing actually in crosswalks and victims of collisions and crashes that proved to be fatal. But equally as tragic are the, are the people who are injured, permanently disabled, their lives altered for the rest of their lives because they have been in these crashes and these collisions. And so I just want to say thank you to my colleagues on this committee and thank you to the, um, to the TA under the leadership of Tilly Chang for actually um, steering us in this direction and MTA for their cooperation and also their collaboration uh, about traffic calming strategies in my district. I am fully aware that other districts, your traffic issues and your transit issues are much more complex than in my district. And so I want, I watched you on this commission advocate for um, things in your district to help mitigate these snarls that you have with um, freeway entrances and um, really busy intersections that are high injury. And I just want to say I really commend you all, every one of you, for really um, being advocates for your neighborhood, knowing your streets really well and your intersections well, and that you are able to help guide the work of MTA and the TA around what is needed in your neighborhood to serve your constituents. Um, it has been an honor to serve with all of you on this commission. As I said before, I knew very little when I came in. I actually think I know more now, but not as much as some of you. And so we leave it in your hands, in your good and capable hands. And again, thank you to all the public servants that worked so hard to deliver a good and safe transit system for all of San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Fewer. Uh, Commissioner Yee. I'm sorry, Chair, Chair Peskin. No worries. I, you know, uh, forgot to um, thank uh, Tilly Chang and her team for being such good partners with uh, this board and uh, making things happen. And um, I have to say to, to, the, to Tilly that 
you were the best hire that that this board ever has made. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Seeing no other names on the roster, uh, why don't we open this uh, the chair's remarks to public comment? Ms. Milton, are there any individuals for public comment on the chair's report? Yes, there is one caller. Hold on just one moment, please. First speaker. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Thank you. Uh, good morning, commissioners. Uh, this is Jody Medeiros, and I'm the executive director of Walk San Francisco. And I am um, also here to say thank you to both commissioners, fewer and ye, for both of their steadfast dedication to Safe Street. Um, the list is incredibly long for Supervisor uh, Yee's championship in legislation and resolutions associated with Vision Zero. One of the most significant measures Commissioner Yee did for Safe Streets was supporting Walk San Francisco and establishing the San Francisco Bay Area Families for Safe Streets. As we all know, these are the families and victims of traffic violence and the survivors. Um, unfortunately, Commissioner Yee understands firsthand the devastation of traffic violence. And we've just been so, so lucky that he has channeled his pain and his devastation that he went through into action. And we cannot thank Commissioner Yee enough. Um, I do also wanna recognize his push for the SFCTA's Vision Zero Committee, where quarterly we had a dedicated time to review and oversee the challenges and also the progress of Vision Zero. And having this forum has made a real difference in getting the attention, safe streets, and policy needs um, from our decision makers. And we really do hope that this attention continues as we quickly approach our city's goal of Vision Zero in 2024. And I cannot um, not talk about and recognize Commissioner Fewer's role in Safe Street. She's also been a real champion and we're losing a real champion on this commission. Um, she's mentioned today in her remarks that District 1 hasn't been without its unnecessarily uh, traffic violence and tragedy and we're so grateful for her leadership and she also will be missed. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a real pleasure working with the two of you and we look forward to keeping up this energy. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, caller. You. There's another caller. Next speaker, please. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Caller. Hello. Hi, caller. Your two minutes are starting now. Please go ahead. Hi, my name is Allie Geller. I'm the Walk, Walk SF Vision Zero Engagement Manager. Supervisor Yee, I want to congratulate you on this milestone. On behalf of every one of the San Francisco Bay Area Families for Safe Streets members, I want to thank you for making San Francisco Bay Area Families for Safe Streets possible, for funding and supporting our work to save lives in the place we love. I'm here today because of your leadership and commitment, heart and soul. Because of you, I'm able to oversee and partner with Families for Safe Streets, our growing group of tireless and amazing advocates. Every time I thank you, you brush me off and respond with humility and such deep commitment. You make me want to do everything I can to do right by all those who have lost loved ones and suffered pressures themselves. Our Families for Safe Streets members have told us that they want to turn their grief into action 
to put their hands into the work that will change this heartbreaking epidemic. Action is powerful, and this is what you represent. You're laying the foundation for Vision Zero in San Francisco, establishing the SFCTA Vision Zero Committee, and pushing initiatives like daylighting throughout San Francisco. Through founding and championing Families for Safe Streets and speaking out and standing by our side at every World Day of Remembrance since 2015. Our advocates are inspired and encouraged by your leadership. I know that you are a crash survivor and an advocate as well. As our member Jenny He has said, families, Jenny Yu, excuse me, Families for Safe Streets members are critical to changing the conditions on our streets. Our stories cut through the noise. Your empathy is clear. We are so grateful. For, not to, for you're not just supporting us, but for standing by our side. I want to thank you again for championing and working so tirelessly to support the work we do and for leading the Board of Supervisors in a recommitment to Vision Zero so we can continue to do the work that we must do to reach our goal in 2024. We look forward to continuing to working with you until we no longer have to. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Are there any more members of the public for public comment on the chair's report? There are no more callers. Okay, then we'll close public comment, but I would like to go to Jamie Parks from the SF uh, MTA who does have some additional words uh, with regard to commissioners Yee and Fewer. Yes, um, thank you. Good morning, commissioners and Chair Peskin. I'm Jamie Parks with SFMTA, and I want to add my thanks and appreciation to both Commissioners Yee and Fewer. I manage SFMTA's Livable Streets Division, which oversees San Francisco's pedestrian traffic calming and bicycle programs, and Vision Zero is absolutely core to all of the work that we do. Personally, my inclination is to search for technical solutions to whatever problem I face, but Vision Zero really doesn't lend itself to easy technical answers. Achieving Vision Zero is about culture change, ensuring that in a country with 40,000 traffic fatalities every year, that society recognizes that even one death is unacceptable. And that culture change requires strong leadership and bold policy, and no one has provided more of that leadership in San Francisco than you, Commissioner Yee. Um, like there's been a long list of the work that you've done, but from comprehensive daylighting to slower speed limits at senior centers, advancing automated speed enforcement at the state level, um, to the recent resolution at the Board of Supervisors urging a recommitment to Vision Zero that you, championed, that you championed, you've been at the forefront of pushing city government to do more. And Commissioner Fewer, it's been a pleasure working with you as well on so many important safety projects in the Richmond District. Um, from 8th Avenue, many traffic calming projects, to your leadership pushing the California Avenue road diet to completion, using your NTIP money to do a planning study on Fulton and then fund the implementation of that planning study on Fulton and the current work that we're doing with your office on ANZA. Uh, throughout it all, you have both done plenty of pushing SFMTA staff. You've asked us lots of difficult questions. And to be honest, answering those tough questions is not always fun but it's absolutely necessary. I've appreciated working with both of you, your amazing staff, and I'll miss seeing you at this board. Thank you, Mr. Parks. Any final comments from commissioners, Yee or fewer? If not, why don't we open this up to public comment? Uh, are there any members? Oh, no, we already did that. Excuse me. Why don't we go to the executive director's report, <laughs> Ms. Chang, my apologies. 
That's all right. Good morning, Chair Peskin and Commissioners. Let me add our staff's appreciation now um, at the top of my executive director's report to Commissioners Yi and Fewer. Um, we echo all of the appreciations that you've heard already that Chair Peskin mentioned, Jody Medeiros at WACSF, the Families for Safe Streets, and um, Jamie Parks. I wanted to share with you these um, framed prints that we will be delivering to your offices. If they, they may even be on their way, um, but really a heartfelt thank you to each of you, to both of you. On, on the left, you'll see Commissioner Yi, Chair Yi's framed print uh, to Vision Zero Chair and Commissioner Norman Yi with appreciation from the SFCTA. Uh, this is from the whole organization, including myself and the staff. Uh, thank you for your leadership. As you can see, the image that grabs you right, in, right up front is, is you holding those hearts. Um, and that was a campaign a few years ago, as you can see by uh, the looks of the other folks in the in the photo. But you know your um, your passion, your compassion, really uh, for this topic is un unparalleled. And we were so so lucky for you to be an original co-author of Vision Zero and to carry that advocacy um, uh, through all of your activities. Whether we saw you um, at City Hall or in the nation's capital, as you see in the upper left with Commissioner um, Stephanie and myself on the speaker's balcony, and you advocate for Vision Zero funding there, um, or in the community, as you see in the Ocean Avenue photo at Phelan Loop um, on the upper right. I also personally saw you many times at Commodore Sloat, your old alma mater, where my two kids also attended, whether it was, again, advocating to bring back those cross school crossing guards or um, on any number of walk and roll to school days or safe routes to school types events. You'll see, by the way, in my executive director's report, reference to those efforts, including your Eddie's neighborhood, um, and so we appreciate your guidance there and we'll continue that work along with so many other things, the M-Line work, the Lake Merced work, um, and of course the advocacy around uh, slower speeds and automated enforcement and all the rest that will help make our streets safer for everyone. And of course, Commissioner Fewer, I wanna thank you so much. It's been too short um, and we really appreciate, however, the impact that you've had in your time at the TA. Um, as you can see, I love the smiling photo of you on that Muni bus. Um, and there were so many. I mean, we, it was hard to pick, actually. There was the one with, with you at Peabody, I know, with um, the superintendent of schools for safe routes to school for Vision Zero. Um, that's the one in the upper right. Um, and of course, on the steps of City Hall advocating uh, for, for safe, uh, safe transportation. I also want to mention your One Richmond initiative, which really was a hallmark, I thought, of your tenure on the board. It brought everyone in the community together, you know, whether it was transportation or not. But in terms of transportation, we appreciated all your work for um, uh, access improvements throughout the district, um, things like even new mobility and making sure that everyone will benefit from technology changes. Um, and again, there we also appreciate Commissioner Yi's efforts with the Office of Emerging Technology. But both of you really advocated for um, for fair and equitable and inclusive um, innovation in our city at a really critical time. So thank you so much for, for that and also for your championing West Side Rail. So I promise you, we are gonna keep building on that. <laughs> Um, and you put your foot down rightly so when we were deliberating the regional measure three measure. Um, so again, that groundwork has been laid as Chair Peskin mentioned and we'll build, we will build upon it um, over the years and hope to see you both in, in, in all of these endeavors going forward. Finally, again, I wanna echo um, your thanks and our appreciation to Angelina, Angelina Yu and Erica Maybaum in particular, but all of your staffs in both offices of D7 uh, and D4. Thank you so much. So. That's the quick thank you. And then I'm gonna uh, go and quickly provide the rest of my update, if that's okay. 
Of um, course. Okay, great. So turning to a more sober topic, the COVID relief talks in Congress, as you may have seen, is part of the um, deliberations uh, among co Congress, and we appreciate Speaker Pelosi's leadership and still trying to ensure that transit will be part of that. Um, the now new number that we hope will get passed is 15 billion in transit relief funds. Um, originally, as you may recall, the HEROES Act was talking about uh, over double that, 32 billion. Um, it may not be enough to stave off um, some of the worst impacts as far as some layoffs here locally, but it certainly will help all of our operators, especially um, and including Muni, which last uh, in the last few weeks have reported to its board that it faces a, a severe uh, deficit, 68 potentially million in fiscal 21 and 168 or up to that amount in fiscal 22, uh, with again, potential layoffs on the horizon. We are gonna be working continuously with them. Um, and I know uh, uh, very many of you have asked our office for advice and help with that, um, both in terms of advocating nationally, but also locally and regionally working with MTC um, and at the state level to see what, for example, kinds of capital funds can be flexed to operations. Um, and, and we will keep you, you posted on that. Upcoming workshops in the Bay Area at the regional level include the Plan Bay Area 2050 final plan um, uh, uh, presentations around the region. The MTC and ABAG are hosting webinars on December 18th and January 5th to present analysis results from the final blueprint. That's the final Plan Bay Area 2050. And um, we advocated strongly for it, and I think we did very well, and we'll really need to continue that uh, through the implementation phase. And that will be the coming year to put up the implementation plans. Um, and you'll see that in my presentation and um, or in my, in my objectives for 2021 in a later item. Um, CPUC, we had some nice um, outcomes there. And thank you, Chair Peskin, for working very closely with uh, SFMTA, Director Tumlin and myself and our teams, particularly Julia Friedlander, I want to call out uh, at SFMTA and Joe Castiglione from our shop, which was able to, they were able to get a decision by the CPUC commission to include goals around equity that would include uh, disabled access and language around uh, smartphone digital access so that folks without smartphones can as well um, uh, benefit from automate, automated or driverless passenger services in the future. Um, turning to District 4, a mobility study, we had a, an amazing town hall with Commissioner Marr. Thank you so much and your staff, Edward Wright, for helping to co-host that um, or to, for co-hosting that. And we supported along with Rec Park and MTA, SFMTA, with over 500 participants in uh, in that uh, webinar, where we presented a number of ideas and potential designs for the roadway. Um, and that work continues on through a text study that folks can access at our website, sfcta.org slash D4 mobility. Um, school access planning work is also kicking off. Again, this was a request from Commissioner Marr and many of you have, have had interest in this. Um, and we are working together with SFUSD and uh, Department of um, DCYF Children, Youth, and Their Families. Um, for more information, please check our website. And we want to thank um, Commissioner Marr for putting some local matching funds on that Caltrans planning grant as well. Uh, District 8 and 11, the Alameda Boulevard project is nearing substantial completion. That is the resurfacing project of 28 blocks of Alameda Boulevard from Congdon Street to Seneca Avenue. So thank you, Supervisor Commissioner Safai, for working with us on that. I think it touches District 8 as well. Um, and the project, of course, will uh, install 42 uh, new curb ramps and construct sidewalks, improve traffic control, and is being um, coordinated with the larger uh, set of sewer replacement and bulb outs and other projects funded by uh, the California P PUC and the SFMTA. 
You may have also noticed uh, as far as project deliveries and red lanes being built on Venice Avenue. So that is finally uh, again at that stage where the underground work is behind us and we are now working on our MTA is working on building the median islands and the landscaping and the, and the bus uh, facilities. Um, the plan is to test in the fall of next year uh, revenue testing and then service anticipated for December uh, end of next year this time. So we can't wait for that. Um, finally, on a, a, a note about our sales tax receipts, September, bless you, September 2020 did yield um, revenue of about 7.7 .7 million. Uh, that was a 6% increase over the prior month of August, so that's good. Uh, total collections for then for the first quarter of fiscal 21 appear to be uh, down about 10% um, compared to prior year figures, which I guess we'll take that and I hope that holds. Um, but we will we'll really be uh, monitoring this uh, holiday period to understand truly what the impact is. And of course, it all, a lot depends on the continuation of um, COVID relief funds from Washington. So uh, with that, I'm happy to take any questions. And, and of course, thank you and all of your staffs for the year long productive um, and rewarding work that we're able to do here at the Transportation Authority. So from our staff to all of you and your staffs, uh, please have a safe and relaxing holiday season. Look forward to seeing you all in the new year. Thank you, Ms. Chang. Uh, seeing no comments from members, is there any public comment on the chair's report? Um, at this time, callers, uh, you are welcome to make a comment, any comment for item number three. I meant the executive director's report, I'm sorry. There is no public comment at this time. Okay, public comment is closed. Madam Clerk, could you please read the consent agenda? Of course. Items four through eight comprise the consent agenda. Items five through eight were first approved at the December 8th board meeting and are now before the board for final approval. Staff is not planning to present, but is available for questions. Okay, is there any public comment on the approval of the minutes of December 8th? Uh, why don't we open up that up to public comment? There is. Oh. There was, but now they have since removed um, their hands. So there's no public comment at this time. Okay, public comment is closed. And is there a motion to move the consent agenda made by Commissioner? Fewer. Fewer and seconded by Vice Chair Mandelman on that motion made and seconded. Ms. Milton, a roll call, please. On the consent agenda, Commissioner Fewer. Aye. Fewer, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Commissioner Yee. Aye. EI, we have 11 eyes. The consent agenda has final approval. And Ms. Milton, I will be here all day today. If you would like to bring me those instruments to sign, I will be here until at least six o'clock. Uh, all right, next item, please. Item nine, allocate up to $5,773,403 and appropriate $150,000 in Prop K sales tax funds with conditions for portrayal yard modernization. This is an action item. Thank you. And I know uh, 
that um, staff would like to present, but I also know that Commissioner Walton has some comments. So why don't we start with Commissioner Walton? Thank you so much, Supervisor Peskin. And uh, I am going to really be uh, pushing to continue this item to the call of the chair. There are some major issues we need to iron out with SFMTA in terms of their affordable housing commitment to this project and portions of this request are retroactive, which my office only found out yesterday. More discussion is needed for clarity to honor requests of this size, specifically for this project. If you look at the project description on page 87 of our packet, it lists the uses for the resources. It talks about housing, but does not even mention the word affordable in the description. I'm afraid SFMTA is trying to push forward without remaining committed to the affordable housing levels discussed and outlined in the RFQ, up to 100%, no less than 50%. And we need clarity on projects and Prop K requests of this size. They're teeter tottering back and forth when we have conversations. Um, they're, they're not truly committed to the goals and the conversations they've had with my off office, as well as uh, surrounding community. So there's a lot of work to be done. This is a large request and this item should be continued. Thank you, Commissioner Walton. And without predisposing uh, our colleagues, I suspect that after the presentation, um, that will likely be the will of this body per your request. Uh, just one question to counsel. I believe our counsel today from uh, the Nosselman firm is Ms. Nichols, uh, or maybe to staff, uh, Ms. Chang, um, uh, I know that at the Board of Supervisors, uh, we in committee continue things to the call of the chair um, insofar as this entity has its own set of rules that are different than the Board of Supervisors. Uh, do we um, have a provision to continue things to the call of the chair or we do? Is that correct, Ms. Chang? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Just wanted to confirm that. Uh, and with that, why don't we go to Ms. LaForte for uh, the presentation. Okay. Good morning, Commissioners. Anna LaForte, Deputy Director for Policy and Program Programming at the Transportation Authority. Let me pull up my presentation. And, and I will also note, Ms. LaForte, um, as you're pulling that up, uh, that we do have a number of individuals from the SFMTA, including the Director of Transportation, Mr. Tumlin, uh, along with any number of individuals from uh, his organization. And with that, Ms. LaForte, uh, well, let's go. Okay. Um, Mr. Chair, can you see my uh, presentation? Great. Okay. Yes. All right. So the request before you today is um, it's primarily from the SFMTA for just about $5.8 million in Prop K sales tax funds with a uh, modest request from the SFCTA for $150,000 for the Petrero Yard Modernization Project. This is a project to redevelop the 105-year-old bus facility that you see on your screen at 2500 Mariposa Street into a modern bus facility that would be equipped to serve projected future capacity and the needs of MTA's new electric trolleys and future battery electric fleet. The new facility would store 213 buses, which is a 50% increase in capacity from current operation 
and the MTA has worked with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development and Economic and Workforce Development, among other agencies, and has landed on a concept that would provide housing above the bus maintenance facility. And the proposal is to have up to six or six levels for a bus facility with an additional seven levels of residential space above the facility with up to 575 mixed income units. The proposal is to develop um, this, this yard under a joint development project delivery method. And so the MTA is requesting funds to undertake the process to select a master developer that would ultimately be responsible for design, build, finance, and maintain the full facility under what's called a project agreement. In some ways, it's like construction management general contractor practice where you're bringing on the contractor um, during early in the design phase of the process. It's also somewhat like a public-private partnership or P3 arrangement where there would be a milestone payment at the time of substantial completion of the housing and the bus facility, um, followed by availability payments over a term negotiated um, for the ongoing um, operations and maintenance of the facility. MTA owns the land, it would own the bus facility, and then the private developer would lease the housing and commercial development from the MTA. The funds would be used, so MTA has already released and received responses to a request for qualifications, which is in part what the retroactive um, funding would be, is being requested to cover. The um, the RFQ process has resulted in three qualified shortlisted candidates or firms or developer for master developer firms that are being um, put on to the request for proposals phase and that MTA would release this in early 2021, depending on the outcome of this process and also some legislation at the Board of Supervisors that I'll get to in just a minute. The, um, the proposers would be selected next summer. The funding would also be used to evaluate the request along with producing a draft environmental impact report. And then again, the fund, there is also um, some funding requested for the transportation authority to provide enhanced oversight through 2023, which is when this project agreement would officially be, um, it is anticipated to be executed. So the approach is innovative, it's promising, there are benefits and there are risks associated with, um, with, a, with this type of delivery arrangement. And so we have, um, we offer our recommendation with the following uh, conditions on the request. So the, the first of the conditions is that of the $5.8 million that is being requested by the MTA, about 3.5 million expenditure of that funding would be conditioned upon Board of Supervisors approval of legislation that waives certain procurement and contracting requirements in Chapter 6 and 14B and 21 of the Administrative Code. And this authorizes MTA to implement the project using a joint development project delivery method. The next condition is an up to amount and up to $1 million for professional services reimbursement. And this would compensate the two proposers who are not selected 
for the work that they produce. Um, and any funds that are not used for that, it would be $500,000 per bidder. Um, so a total of $1 million, as I mentioned, and providing compensation for unsuccessful bidders and in, is an industry practice um, to help, up, help offset the cost of the bidder's proposals, which require designs to be advanced to 8 to 12% of the project level. It has a couple of benefits, proposers, cost estimates, um, have the uh, um, have the likelihood of being more reliable and also MT will then own all of the proposals and related work project products so that they could inform the ultimate design of the of the project and MTA will ensure payment to LBE design firms which are required in the request for qualifications. In addition, there is an enhanced oversight commitment and part our work would be funded um, in, in part through this request. This is in recognition of the scale and the impact of this project, as well as the novelty of the joint, de joint development project delivery method for MTA. And so we would be um, involved in this project from, um, you know, for, for oversight um, through 2023, as I mentioned. And um, and with that, I, I am here to answer any questions, but there is also a presentation from the SFMTA from Lucinia Iberi, um, who is um, part of the project management team as well, if you wish to hear that today. Um, so uh, Commissioner Walton, are you okay with our hearing from Ms. Iberi? Thank you so much, Chair Peskin. Um, I will leave that up to the chair. Okay, Ms. Berry, why don't you proceed? Because at some point, this will come back to us. So um, more is is better. So please proceed. Right. Thank you, Chair Peskin. Let me pull up the slideshow. Can I just confirm with the chair that everyone's able to see my yes, presentation? Yes, we can. Okay, great. So thank you, Anna, um, and thank you to the TA staff and management. They really invested many hours uh, in learning about this project with us over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so we thank them for their recommendation that the request proceed. Um, as Anna said, my name is Lysenia Eberry, and my colleague Rafe Rabelais and I are joint project managers for the Petrero Yard Modernization Project. Um, Petrero Yard, as Anna said, is 105 years old and is the home base for over 300 of our frontline muni operators, mechanics, and dispatchers. This is the first major rebuild project in the SFMTA's Building Progress Facility Capital <clears throat> Program. The building is seismically insufficient, and we must rebuild it as a responsible investment to our employees. In designing the project delivery method for Petrero Yard, this vital public asset is at the forefront. With the entire structural structure assembled to safeguard delivery of the bus facility as the highest priority. The project also strives to be an exemplar of the SFMTA's complete policy vision with fully developed streetscape enhancements, urban design that encourages and supports transit riders, pedestrians, and cyclists, and achieves a high level of sustainability and operational efficiency. As a partner in the city family, the SFMTA also supports the citywide vision for housing on this site and has provided a transparent forum for all stakeholders to engage in developing the housing program. The purpose of today's request is to allocate funds to allow the bus facility design process to proceed and to continue the conversation about the overall site development program. 
The SFMTA has been at work on this project since 2017, when we first began assessing space needs and maintenance requirements for the bus facility, which will occupy the first three floors and 75 feet in height from grade of the site. In 2019, after several rounds of design charrettes with our frontline staff and transit management, we commissioned a detailed cost estimate of the bus yard component and began to analyze what the SFMTA could reasonably pay to support operations and maintenance of the new facility. The SFMTA seeks to learn from prior capital facility project delivery and to incentivize the builder to high quality construction. With the bus yard component itself, estimated at over $400 million, the SFMTA also looks for creative ways to finance the project and deliver it on time. In 2019, the SFMTA, OEWD, MOHCD, and SF planning, in consultation with our consultants, and as an outgrowth of a year and a half of community input, assembled a conceptual starting point for the housing component that included 560 units, 50% of them affordable. The purpose of this concept is not to finalize the housing program, but to provide a reasonable, financially feasible starting point to include in the project procurement. Since then, we have clearly heard the call that the project include as high a percentage of affordable housing as possible, even up to 100% affordable. Accordingly, this language was included in the RFQ and will be included in the forthcoming RFP. The SFMTA ran a performa analysis on the original concept, which was reviewed by OEWD and MOHCD, and the project was demonstrated to pencil in the analysis as modeled. Several key project features require a unique project delivery method, the largest ones being, one, flexibility for long-term financing of, the high of a high-dollar value asset, two, Inclusion of major structural and building system operations and maintenance to incentivize durable construction. And three, inclusion of a housing and commercial land use program. To achieve this, the SFMCA partnered with Public Works to increase capacity to deliver this complex project and enlisted the support of AREP to provide joint development technical advice. The SFMCA has completed the RFQ for this project and just as a little edit to Anna's comments, we have received responses to the RFQ and we are in the process of identifying the shortlisted three firms to proceed to the, excuse me, the RFP process. Um, I will now pass the presentation to Ignacio Barandjaran from Arup, who will walk through the proposed project delivery methodology, risk management approach and procurement process. Thank you, Lucinia. And uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Thank you. And um, thank you, Anna, for the invitation to present. And thank you, supervisors. Good morning. My name is Ignacio Berendiran. I'm with Arup uh, here in San Francisco, supporting the SFMTA and Public Works in the procurement for this process. So I'll keep my remarks brief, uh, but uh, first I want to say that um, just to highlight the, the process by which um, we have come with the SFMTA and Public Works to a decision on an infrastructure-led joint development process as, a, as really the best way forward for, for this project. Uh, and that was fundamentally based on um, uh, kind of a rigorous analysis of three things. First is the range of what are all the different delivery options that are available, um, uh, considering those very carefully. Second, informing that decision by a market sounding that was started uh, earlier this year. 
and where we spoke with over 30 firms in the industry. And then thirdly, by looking at case studies and what are the lessons learned and uh, that we can bring into this project uh, from those case studies of similar joint developments uh, around, the, around the country and around the world. And really the infrastructure um, led joint development process is what is important is that it, because it is a joint development where you have uh, a single building with a dual purpose, um, what you need is a process where the, uh, to ensure the deliverability of the bus yard as a public infrastructure component under all scenarios, regardless of fluctuations in the market, and at the same time, creating a platform that allows for the development of the housing, including, and very importantly, the affordable housing component of it. Uh, next slide, please, Lucinia. Uh, So in those case studies um, that we analyzed, uh, we looked at uh, case studies here in, in California, around the country, in New York, there's some uh, very good examples, but also internationally even. And one of the uh, common themes, there are many lessons learned from these, but really one of the common themes that, uh, that we found in, in these case studies is the need to have a flexible commercial and financial structure that allows a process that reconciles the different uses in these projects. Each one of these projects in the case studies, the uses themselves are uh, somewhat different from Potrero Yard, but there's a commonality in that theme of a flexible structure that reconciles multiple uses within a single facility. Uh, next slide, please, Lucinia. Now, in terms of the procurement strategy and the process uh, to get from the stage where we are now, uh, where we, the defeasibility of the project has been demonstrated, and we're starting a procurement process to the point where we can have a successful delivery of this uh, major project, um, there are many steps that need to be taken. And this procurement strategy is fundamentally about mitigating and managing risk and resolving the multiple, uh, the many aspects that are needed to be um, addressed uh, by, the, by the city in, in partnership with its infrastructure partner. And those involve CEQA, involve outreach to the community and with stakeholders, how those things then influence and, and shape the design that ultimately is built. And then also the financing and contracting uh, for the projects, all through competitive procurement processes at multiple steps in the way. And the element that I wanna highlight here in this, in this process, which is a little bit different than in a conventional procurement is right in the middle of this diagram, the, the inclusion of a pre-development agreement phase that bridges the gap from where we are in the early stages of an RFQ and RFP in a progression towards increasing levels of investment, both by the city on the public sector side, as well as the development partners on the private sector side to get to a successful financial closing and beginning of construction of the project. The next slide, please, uh, Lucinia. So I wanna make uh, just a quick reference. Uh, I think Anna made uh, the, the, the key points that needed to be made with respect to uh, one of the elements that, that we're asked to address in this presentation, which is the reimbursement payment. Uh, I won't repeat uh, because Anna really kind of covered most of the items, but I do wanna uh, emphasize really what are the benefits of, of doing this and why do 
um, the owners in infrastructure procurements such as this one uh, typically uh, include such a reimbursement payment. And the, the benefits are twofold. The first at the front end is in, the, uh, in attracting high quality firms, large firms that can lead development, but also smaller firms that support the development partners uh, in the development of their proposals at each one of those stages, including in, in the next major phase, which is the RFP itself. And then the other, the other set of benefits really relate to what does the city get back in exchange for the, for the payments? And that is, first and foremost, is are the, the work products from the RFP of the unsuccessful proposers, which include designs and other uh, innovative technical concepts that could be applied in the project in the next phase. And then the second is a, a waiver uh, of multiple aspects, but one of the most important ones is a waiver of protest rights that allows for an orderly progression of the, um, of the procurement. And incidentally, this is something that is in, in, um, in, um, in alignment with the US Department of Transportation guidance for transportation infrastructure uh, procurements of this type. And the next slide, please, uh, Lucinia. Uh, one element I also wanna highlight from Anna's comments is the reimbursement of local business enterprise uh, design firms. That was a requirement of the RFQ and will be a continuing requirement in future phases of the project as, as would be customary in San Francisco. Um, and the, the large firms that lead these, these procurements, they have the ability to, uh, to invest funds at risk in these processes. However, many of their uh, subcontractors and firms that support them don't have that capability and especially the LBE, the local business enterprise firms. And so part of the purpose of the reimbursement agreement is to prioritize the, the, uh, the payment uh, for those firms. Uh, the next slide, Lucinia. I also wanna highlight uh, precedents uh, that we were asked to, to put forward. This is just a sample of, 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 a, larger, um, of a larger number. Um, there are four projects in California, all recent projects of a similar order of magnitude, some bigger than, than and some uh, somewhat smaller than this one. Uh, but you can see here, there's other uh, precedents from around the country as well. And you can see the range of reimbursement payments um, in the slide here from 500,000 to two, up to 2 million, in fact. Uh, what we are proposing for Petrero and um, we have determined through the market sounding is something in, in, at the lower end of this year. And the next slide, please, listen here. So I'd like just to close the, uh, this uh, presentation by um, highlighting uh, some high level elements of the financing plan. Uh, the first uh, on the uses side, on the left-hand side of the screen, um, this is clearly a very significant investment. Uh, it's over $800 million total uh, capital investment upfront, um, including construction costs, the major driver of that. Uh, roughly a little bit over half of that is, is for the bus yard public infrastructure uh, investment. Now, when you look at the, the, on the sources and how do you pay for that investment, especially the public in, uh, infrastructure side of it, um, what the joint development uh, approach allows is for the SFMTA to really optimize how it structures its available sources of funding. And um, what you see here is in the, the first two rows of this table on the right-hand side are the, 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 the two sources of, of payment for the project, which would be a milestone payment 
and then a series of availability payments over 30 years that amortize the cost of the, of the investment. This is a 100-year investment, and generally amortizing the cost of cap, major capital investments over time, it's uh, often a, a smart way of agencies to, uh, to, to, make the, to uh, uh, capture affordability for the project. So, and these projects would start in, upon completion of the project of construction in 2026. Uh, so it is really a, ultimately a mechanism that allows the city to deliver the project and, and advance the process at, even at this early stage uh, in a time of economic uncertainty. So with that, I'll, I'll uh, close my remarks at that point, Licinia, and, and hand it back to you. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I think we're that's available for questions. That's all, that's all we have. Okay, uh, so Commissioner Walton. Sorry about that. Thank you, Chair Peskin. And I, I do want to appreciate um, and acknowledge SFMTA's um, commitment to uh, affordable housing, at least through this presentation. Um, it is not lost on me that uh, the strong affordable housing language came after expressing concerns. Um, but I do want to move this item. Uh, I, I do want to continue this item to the call of the chair so I can have some conversations with MTA. So uh, uh, my District 9 colleague can have some co conversations with MTA. And so we can just get on the same page about um, how we prioritize and work together moving forward. Thank you, Commissioner. And it's better to iron these things out at the front end than the back end. Uh, so um, before, and, and by the way, I've been informed that I actually, um, in my capacity as chair, can do that unilaterally without a vote and will do so after we hear from Director of Transportation Tumlin. Mr. Tumlin, the floor is yours, sir. Uh Thank you, sir. And I'm in complete agreement with both the chair and Commissioner Walton. Um, we want to make sure that all of you have all of your questions addressed and that we have um, a clear sense of priority uh, moving forward, including our full commitment to maximizing the number of affordable units in the project. Um, so um, I'm happy to defer this item until later so that we have time um, as quickly as possible to make sure um, that um, the remaining issues are resolved. We, we're, there's a lot of work to be done on this project. We want to make sure we provide the strongest level of assurance to the private market. And that means making sure that we're all uh, on the same page and in agreement right now. So thank you so much for giving us the time to make this presentation. And I look forward to working with your office um, this week, hopefully, um, in order to iron out the remaining issues. As I said in this morning's paper, none of us are going anywhere because there's nowhere to go. Uh, so with that, why don't we open this up for public comment and then I will continue this to uh, the call of the chair and hopefully we will get back to it in January um, with uh, those discussions uh, happening over the next couple of three weeks. Are there any members of the public who would like to comment on this item? Um, yes, at this time there's... Um five callers and it looks like more hands are coming up. So hold on just one moment. Let's get started with right. the first caller. Hello caller, your two minutes begins now. 
Yes, my name is Peter Belden. I'm a member of the Petrero Yard uh, Neighborhood Working Group that's been uh, assembled to provide info on this project. And I just wanted to voice my um, support for the project. Um, I should add, I'm also a co-chair of the Petrero Boosters and Dogpatch Neighborhood Association's relatively new subcommittee focused on um, we call livable street. And I think just the staff has done a great job of working with the working committee and informing us and uh, bringing us into various parts of the discussion. And of course, as we all know, investments in, in Muni are, are now more important than ever. So I see this as tremendous uh, benefit for the community and, and hopeful that the important details around um, important and difficult details around affordable housing can be uh, worked out because that's also an important part of the project. I just want to voice the, the strong support for this um, investment and, and needed upgrade. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, caller. I'll move on to the next caller now. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Uh, good morning, commissioners. This is Kat Carter with San Francisco Transit Riders. Uh, we strongly support funding for the Petrero Yard Modernization Project. The yard is over 100 years old. It is seismically unsafe. Being so out of date means mechanics can't prepare and maintain buses safely, properly, and efficiently. Every delay or challenge in maintenance and repairs equals impact and delays in service to San Franciscans. Um, and Petrero Yard, as you know, serves buses on major routes, including the 30, the 14, the 22 and the five lines that uh, continue to be busy during the pandemic, serving essential workers and those most dependent on muni. Buses are and have been the basic thing of our muni services. They've kept muni resilient during this difficult time. Um, we need to make sure they get as much support as possible. By postponing or delaying first infrastructure upgrades, we make the whole system less resilient. Uh, we know we increase the chance of major failures, as we've seen in other parts of the system. Uh, we urge you to prove the funding um, as soon as possible and not allow uh, delays to impact any service further. Thank you so much. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Uh, good morning, Supervisors. Ronald O'Brien in San Jose. Um, the only thing I, I would um, like to add to the conversation is that you consider reserving half of the affordable housing units for muni staff, and that's for two reasons. The first one is that this would be a small step towards addressing the chronic shortage of operators who can no longer afford to live in the city. And the second reason is that if you uh, went ahead with this suggestion, is that it would improve the safety of muni operations by eliminating the fatigue that is caused by early and long-term use for staff before they start shift as staff and light rail operators. Uh, thank you and happy and safe holidays to you and yours. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Thank you. This is Roger Marenko, President, Transport Workers Union, Local 250A. Uh, while everybody is in support of this project, we definitely need more housing, et cetera, in the city and county of San Francisco for low-income residents, middle-class working residents, blue-collar workers, et cetera. I'd like for everybody to keep in mind a very serious health and safety aspect of this, which I want to bring up because our members, our 9163 transit operators, deal with this on a daily 
basis pertaining to the issue of parking and or the lack thereof. The majority of our transit operators here, these are the men and women that provide the service for the city and county of San Francisco. They don't live in the city and county of San Francisco. They have to travel here from Modesto, from Lodi, Sacramento, Oakley, etc. And one of the last things that they should have to encounter is driving around in circles for 30 minutes to an hour in terms of trying to find a parking space. So while we understand that the SFMTA is planning on um, getting uh, more buses out there on the road and less personal cars, we fully support that. And in one way that we need to do that, that we can move forward, is by ensuring that our working class workers, transit operators, has a parking space somewhere within that site. Because if your transit operator, if your bus operator cannot find a parking space, that bus is not going to go out. You will have late buses, you will have delayed Any buses, seconds? missing buses, overcrowded buses. And so I'd like to bring this up as a health and safety issue to make sure that everybody understands that it's not just about parking for the operators, it is a safety issue and it pertains to the amount of service that we can and should be bringing out here. So please, please take parking into consideration, at least for the working men and women in the SFMTA. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Can you hear me now? Yes. Great. Uh, good morning, David Philpel. Um I recognize the um, Muni facility need, but I have questioned the timing of the project given uh, MTA's uh, likely fight for survival and possibility of layoffs and uh, service uh, uh, reductions. Um, it's just not uh, clear to me right now what Muni's uh, facility and, and fleet needs will be uh, going forward, and so I'm not sure how much farther we should proceed with this project uh, right now. We may need it in the future, but um, this is uh, ending capital resources, some of which um, could be shifted to operating. Um, and so I'm questioning that, more on that in the future. Um, and I agree strongly with uh, uh, Roger Marenko's uh, comments. There is no employee parking planned at the new facility, which I think is not realistic uh, planning for the project. There are. Uh, operators and maintenance staff who uh, start work at uh, 4 a.m., who end shifts at uh, 2 a.m., and to suggest that they would have to take a shuttle or find some other way to get to a, a vehicle parked at a, a different location um, just is is unfair and unrealistic. So um, those are my comments at this time. More in the future. Thanks. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hello, um, Hayden Miller. Um, just wanted to echo previous comments, particularly around having a commitment that operators are going to be getting a certain percentage of the affordable housing, and also that there's operator parking. I've been saying it since day one. You know, the Ferro Yard, it operates 24 hours a day with owl buses on some of the some of the busiest lines in the city, you know, these operators are coming from far away. They can't afford to live in the city. So it's really a slap in the face to tell them that they have to, you know, oh, just take 
the thick BART that's, you know, five blocks away at the middle of the night. BART's not running now. It's during a pandemic, you know. There needs to be a way and into the future. These operators, as prices go up, they're getting pushed further and further away from the city. And it's really important that you consider making sure operators get housing and operators get parking because that's how we're going to have a more sustainable city when we have good public transit service because we have employees that are well-rested that aren't getting slapped with parking tickets at certain yards um, because of the MCA is ticketing their own employees for violating a two-hour time limit when they're not even allowed to buy a parking permit for that area. It's really ridiculous. So we need to make operator housing and parking a priority. Thank you, caller. There are no more calls for public comment. Thank you. Then public comment on this item is closed. And I will continue this item to the call of the chair and am available to work with Commissioner Walton, uh, Commissioner Ronan, and the SFMTA and our staff uh, over the holidays. And with that, Madam Clerk, next item, please. Yes. Item potentially going into closed session, evaluate public employee performance and improve the executive director's performance objectives for 2021. This is an action item. And could you also read item 11? Item 11, set the annual compensation for the executive director for 2021. This is an action item. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, colleagues, last Thursday, uh, as we do every year, the Personnel Committee of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority met uh, both in closed and open session uh, to uh, do the performance evaluation for our executive director, uh, as well as to set the salary for the coming year. Uh, I wanna thank Vice Chair Mandelman and Commissioner Ronan uh, for their questions uh, and ultimately um, for uh, our consensual recommendation uh, that is before you today. Uh, we, as we do every year, uh, evaluated our executive director uh, in any number of areas. Uh, and um, if any member would like, we can go into closed session and review that. Uh, if you, if no members would like to do so as has happened in past years. Uh, let me report um, that we all agree that Ms. Chang has done an outstanding job and in most, if not all instances, uh, has exceeded her performance goals for the year 2020. Uh, to that end, after evaluating uh, similar uh, pay scales uh, for positions uh, in other transportation agencies of uh, similar, smaller, and larger size, uh, and looking at that information, uh, understanding that sales tax revenue is down and other subventions that uh, the County Transportation Authority relies on are also down. And after wrestling with that, uh, we um, unanimously came to the conclusion uh, as to a 4% pay raise um, Ms. Chang has, uh, consistent with pay raises accorded um, in other uh, municipal sectors, has actually uh, offered to 
return one half of a percent of that for a three and a half percent pay raise. Um, if that is acceptable, I would make a uh, motion to amend the resolution uh, accordingly, um, but first would like to defer to the other members of the personnel committee and then the rest of the members of the County Transportation Authority Commission. And if anybody would like to go into closed session, uh, I am absolutely happy and able to do so. Commissioner Ronan. Yes, um, thank you, Chair Campos. Uh, <coughs> I, I, is it appropriate to describe in open session how we came to our decision or is that inappropriate? I think um, I think that is entirely appropriate. If you would like to defer for a moment to uh, counsel from the Nossaman firm, Ms. Nichols. Uh, yes, uh, Chair Peskin, thank you. Um, and uh, Commissioner Ronan, I would <coughs> counsel against talking about anything that was discussed in closed session unless perhaps it's set forth in the resolution. Um, that's proposed in connection with this item number 10? Well, maybe what I can say, Ms. Nichols, if this, um, it, and I, I think at a high level, I described it and maybe Commissioner Ronan, there's a uh, yeah, way I to can do describe that. it. I, I, I can, I can, okay, I, I understand it and I'll be very careful. Um, I won't disclose anything that was talked about in closed session, but I will talk about, um, uh, some of the uh, some of my thinking in making this decision. Um, I, I, it, this was a, um, a difficult decision for me because we're in a time of financial crisis all over the country. And I know that many of us on the board of supervisors are donating um, our, the raise that the Civil Service Commission gave us uh, back to the city for COVID response. Um, because uh, those of us who are privileged enough to continue to receive a paycheck at all at this point, um, you know, have have qualms about receiving more money when there's so much financial crisis. Uh, there were several things that went uh, into my thinking about um, voting to give uh, Ms. Chang a raise. Number one, uh, her work is just Excellent, um, Tilly. Uh, you know, I we in personnel committee, we fill out um, you know our our grading system, and I, I just think that we are so fortunate and lucky uh, to have Tilly um, as our executive director of the TA, and um, I, I think she goes above and beyond every single day in every single work area that there is. Uh, and, and is an example to her staff and, and, and so well respected, not just by this board, but by the staff. Number two, uh, if you look at comparative pay scales around uh, for similarly sized transportation districts, um, we are sort of a mid-range salary. Um, we're not the highest, we're not the lowest, but we're, 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 we're right in the middle. And then, um, you know, given the, the, the fact that uh, in order to to main, retain the high quality staff that we have, um, the rest of the TA staff uh, received a raise this year as well. Um, we felt I, I felt that it was important to um, you know 
recognize that 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 differential uh, in in pay scale, you know, rises together. Um, and so those are the considerations that uh, I took into to, um, to that I was uh, wrestling with when uh, voting the way that I voted. And uh, I just thought giving a little bit more uh, context would be helpful in this situation. And Tilly, I just want to express my gratitude to you uh, for the unbelievable work you do every single day. Thank you. Thank you so the much. little mighty agency that can. Um, thank you, Commissioner Ronan. I think you did that just perfectly. Uh, Ms. Chang. Uh, certainly want to appreciate your kind words, um, Chair Peskin and Commissioner Ronan. Um, and it's really our pleasure to serve you all. And I speak for the entire staff. I consider um, my review to be an opportunity to proudly present our accomplishments as staff and seek your feedback and guidance. Um, it is a privilege to work uh, at the Transportation Authority and at this time to even, again, as you say, uh, receive compensation um, uh, for, for that work uh, that, that rises with performance. And that's what we do at the Transportation Authority. We, we did re we review all of our staff this year, provided an average of three point, I believe, eight um, percent, some higher, some lower. But as a whole, our agency um, did go through that evaluation, and I, I'm very proud. I think that the staff worked extremely hard this year, um, really trying to support our sister agencies, support your offices, um, and and really support the community here in San Francisco, who we know is struggling um, uh, each and every day. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing no other. Folks on the roster, it sounds like we do not need to go into closed session. So why don't we um, open up public comment on item number 11. Thank you, there is one caller. First speaker, please. Hello caller, your two minutes begins now. Can you hear me now? Yes. We can. Great, uh, and this is on both items 10 and 11, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Let Second me restate okay, David this Bill is on items 10 and 11. Excellent. Okay, David Philpel again. Um, as you just uh, discussed, uh, the uh, FFCTA will um, possibly see uh, decreases in grant tax and other revenues in 2021, and in my opinion, may have to uh, shrink somewhat as a result of uh, fewer resources. Um, I'm wondering if the 2021 performance objectives uh, in item 10 contemplate a reduction in available uh, resources and um, possibly less ability to uh, perform uh, things and, and deliver projects and all that. Um, given those comments about the performance objectives, um, I question if a salary change is, is needed. I heard your discussion just now. I get the, you know, attention and the, the different uh, concerns. Um, I, I do note, though, that staff at, at grantee uh, agencies uh, may be laid off in the next few months and projects and services reduced uh, at those agencies perhaps significantly. So I think um, as the, the kids like to say, the optics on this may not be good. Um, I think it would show uh, real leadership to either deny or completely decline a raise at this time um, and hold out the possibility of a, a small reduction um, depending on where the city and the agencies 
finances are in a few months. Um, and just on a, a technical level, at a minimum, the resolved clause, the last line, I believe should be amended to replace uh, the year 2019 with the year 2021. Um, other than that, I don't disagree. And in fact, I agree strongly that Philly's performance has been great. That's not uh, an issue, um, or at least it isn't for me. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public for this item? These there items. There are no other callers. Okay. There are no other callers. Okay, public comment on items 10 and 11 uh, is closed. And um, thank you to the speaker for noting that uh, date that needs to be corrected. Uh, Ms. Fong, I want to thank you for helping us as you do every year through this process and want you to concur that that uh, change in the last whereas needs to be uh, change from 2019 to 2021. Is that correct, Ms. Fong? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so I would like to make a motion to amend the resolution for item 11 to reflect that change, as well as a change to reflect that uh, per our discussion, the total compensation would be the amount of $276.60, which is a three and a half percent uh, raise. Is there a second for that motion? Second, Ronan. And on that motion made and seconded, Madam Clerk, a roll call, please. On item 11, motion to amend. Commissioner Fewer? Aye. Fewer, aye. Commissioner Haney? Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Mar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Aye. Aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. Commissioner Yee? Aye. We have 11 ayes. The motion passes. And I would like to make a motion to uh, approve the item as amended. Is there a second for that motion? Ronan, second. Okay, on that motion, a roll call, please. 11, item as amended. Commissioner Fewer? Aye. Fewer, aye. Commissioner Haney? Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. President, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Commissioner Yee. Aye. Yee, aye. We have 11 ayes. The motion passes. Thank you, Ms. Milton. Is there any introduction of new items? Sorry, Chair. We have to go back and vote on item 10. Uh. Well, I item 10 is just a closed session, right? Am I missing something? Chair Peskin, if, if I may, this is Jim yes. Nichols with Nassiman sitting in his general counsel. There is a uh, resolution in connection with item yes. 10 in the board packet that was referred to uh, the commission. 
uh, and in order to adopt that resolution, a vote would be needed. You would not need a uh, you would not need a second because it came right. So I can just call the roll on item 10. Is that correct, Ms. Nichols? That's correct, Chairman. OK, thank you uh, for pointing that out. Madam Clerk, on item number 10, a roll call, please. On item 10, approval of executive director's performance objectives. Commissioner Fewer. Aye. Fewer, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. And I, Commissioner Safai. Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie. I, Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton. I, Commissioner. Safai. Uh, oh, sorry. We'll come back and get you. Commissioner Yi. Aye. Yee. I, Commissioner Safai. Aye. Sorry, my. my... We have eleven eyes. The item passes. Okay, is there any introduction of new items? And thank you, Madam Executive Director. Thank you all very, very much. Seeing no introduction of new items, is there any general public comment? There is no public comment at this time. Okay, public comment is closed. Happy trails, commissioners, ye and fewer, and we are adjourned. Thank you, commissioners. Happy thank holidays. You. Happy holidays, everybody.